What is up, you guys? I cannot believe it is another week where we are here together um, learning and just growing and really just diving into God's truth and what He desires for our life. And so I'm excited. Um, it is absolutely unreal to me the amount of you guys that are just messaging me and just reaching out and saying like, oh my gosh, that whole thing just spoke to me like you knew exactly what I was going through. Can I tell you, I have no idea what you're going through, but the Holy Spirit does. And God is so, so good. And so I am just humbled that you guys are here with me, that we're just diving into God's word together. Um, You know, I'm learning and growing as you guys are Um, I assume as well. So we're going to tackle a topic today. And when I say tackle, like, I mean like full blown tackle. We're just going to tackle it because I am so tired of many of us feeling like we're not good enough. Like we're not worthy. We're not capable to do the things that God has called us to do. Um, We have those excuses. We have those feelings Um, Whatever that feeling is for you, we have them. We've all been there. Um, You know, growing up, I felt like there were other people who, I don't know, maybe could do things better than I can do them. Um, So the question that I always asked God was, you know, why is my voice important? Why, why do you need to use me when there is someone out there that is doing it? way better, who has way more connections, that has way more money, a bigger influence. Um, Why can't you just use them, God? (laughs) And so um, that was kind of something that I dealt with. Like this girl is already killing it, God. Like just use her, okay? Um, I am not going to make as many waves as she will. And so Um, if that doesn't sound like comparison, I don't know what does. And so I started comparing, um, you know, what God placed in my hands with what God put in someone else's hands. And comparison is a super toxic thing. It is a real thing. And I keep saying this over and over because I want you to understand that Satan wants defeated Christians. A lot of times, when we ask Jesus into our hearts and we start walking out the path, there is a point, um, I believe, in a Christian's life when they say, no matter what, I will serve you. you. Your faith gets so stirred with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and just these moments that you have with Him that there comes a point in your walk with God where you're like, I am going to be saved. I'm making it to heaven. I know in my heart that, you know, it's God's way or nothing. And the enemy knows that. And so when he knows that he necessarily can't, um, you know, cause you to turn your life and do things that he desires for you, he will do whatever he can to make you feel less than, to make you feel like you're defeated, to make you feel like you're disqualified or that you aren't going to measure up to what God has placed on your life. And so he does that through different avenues. And while we may not deal with, you know, those bigger sins, if you will, of lifestyles and things like that, um, there are still sins that he can throw at us and cause us to, to feel defeated. He can put things in our minds and in our hearts. He can place things 
um, when sometimes they're not necessarily sins, but it's an open door to something that would cause us to sin. And so I'm not saying that Christians don't sin. Please don't misread me. But I'm just saying there comes a point in our life as Christians where the enemy knows like our hearts for God, right? Um, I've seen too much at this point in my life to say, you know, Satan, I want to live for you. Like that's just absolutely unheard of. I'm not ever going to do that because I, in my heart, I know God is real. I've seen his, his faith ring true in my spirit over and over again. I've just seen too much. And so at this point, Satan wants me to feel defeated. How can he make me feel defeated? And that's kind of where this whole true selfie podcast has really come from. And where it was birthed from is that thought process like, hey, there are way too many defeated Christians out there walking around feeling less than, feeling like you're not capable of accomplishing God's plan and purpose for your life. And so comparison is one of those things that will absolutely 110% rob you from your purpose. Um, It causes you to disqualify yourself before you've even started to do anything. Um, You know, what's good about somebody else? Like does not necessarily make something make you not good um and so i think we get this concept of like okay like our sister or like um you know our good buddy um is really killing it at this area of ministry like that doesn't mean that you can't kill it at the same type of area of ministry in a different way and so we get this idea of comparison and um we start to doubt, you know, who we are, what we're doing, if we should even do it. Just because someone else started something does not mean that you can't. And so when we think about the word comparison, you know, we see it so, um, we see it really heavily right now, I feel like, and it's so rampant because of uh, social media. And as much as I would love to blame social media and as much as we would love to blame social media for all of our problems I feel like that's just a really easy scapegoat Um, but we literally have to own up to the idea that comparison is a heart condition Um, comparison shows us you know that our hearts aren't postured correctly they're not postured in the way that Christ desires them to be And so comparison just didn't stem from Facebook and it didn't just come from the gram. You know, it's not just this new thing that just happened because everyone's posting all of these like getaways and, you know, all of these fashion hauls and just all of these trips and everything that, you know, people are doing on social media. Um, You know, it was actually in the Bible like a lot. (laughs) And so, um, it's been around for years and years. And so it's a heart problem. It's, it's something that's in our heart that we have to address. And before we can tackle it, I feel like we have to really understand why we're struggling with comparison. Um, you know, when we think about it biblically, um, you know, God doesn't compare what he creates. I heard that in a podcast earlier this week when I was just really trying to dive into um, this topic of comparison because it has literally um, 
been something it's been a roadblock in my life multiple times i can i can call back multiple instances um in my life where comparison has just wreaked havoc on my purpose and plan and the walk that god has for me and so when we look at it um and i heard that god doesn't compare what he creates i'm like uh yeah like (laughs) like for real he doesn't and you know we look at it in the very first pages of the bible Uh, God created and said, it is good. You know, he didn't create the sun and say it is good and then create the moon and say, whoa, like that is so much better. And then create the seas and the land and say, you know, this is the best that I've created like of all time. You know, he didn't compare his creations after everything that he created. He said it is good. And so Um, we have to remind ourselves that God doesn't look at us the way that we see other people. We see other people and we start comparing what we have with what they have or or the things that we lack and what they have. And God doesn't look at us that way. He doesn't look at me and look at you and say, well, she's got this and, and, and he doesn't. He doesn't look at us that way. When he looks at me, he says, Brooke, my goodness, she's great, you know? And then he looks at you and he says, you're great. And so we have to understand to look at things the way that God sees things. He created us and we are good. Um, You know, I also heard it sometime this week on, I don't even know what podcast I was listening to, but, you know, we always say like when God um, created us, when he formed us in the womb, like we had a purpose then, but it doesn't say that. He said, before you were in your womb, you had a purpose. So before you were even created, you had purpose and it is good. Your purpose in this world is good. Um, and we also see it in first Corinthians 12. We see Paul tell the Corinthian church, like the church compares people in the church compares like it is it is not something that just you know non-christians or non-believers deal with like believers i i deal with comparison like it's it's something that i struggle with and i have to be aware of it at all times and so paul's telling the corinthian church in first corinthians um you know that listen we are one body in christ and there are many parts right one part isn't more important than another, but all together it works collectively. And so he goes on to say, if the body were an eye, like how would we hear? And so we have to understand like how important and how, how much truer that rings with us. Like if we were like our neighbor, there would be something lacking in the world. Um, if we were all like so-and-so, Um, And you can fill in the blank with whoever you may be comparing yourself to. Um, You know, how would we be this way? Like, because you bring something to Christ's table. You bring something to the world. You bring something to the people around you. And we can't just say, you know, because we're not like somebody else that I'm not good. um, Because that is totally a lie from the enemy. You were created by the creator, which makes you good. So why in the world do we compare ourselves? It's that question, that dreaded question. Why do we compare ourselves? 
So why do we compare ourselves? And I asked this question to myself multiple times and for years, I literally thought that there was something wrong with me. Um, I like to think of myself as a pretty humble person. And as I say that, it sounds completely unhumble. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is like, I know that I'm not the best. I know that there are better singers out there. I know that I don't have the most creative ideas. Um, I know that there are a ton of more people that are more intelligent and a lot prettier out there. Like I know, and I'm a very realistic person in knowing that. And so when comparison really hit home with me, it was, um, it was back when I was growing up, you know, dating different boys. Um, the thought that I knew I wasn't prettiest, um, I always thought like, would they like someone else more? And so I would compare myself that way. Like she's prettier, um, or even being in friendships. Um, like I knew I wasn't the funniest person. And so, um, would like my friend want to hang out with these other people because they're just absolutely hilarious and she'll have a lot of more fun with them. And so comparison would hit and, you know, even going into my marriage, um, those same thoughts, were just reoccurring and you know would I would think like would he leave me because he would just you know vibe with someone else more and um you know going into ministry and just different areas of my life these feelings would rise and so you know we see it on social media and comparing our lives with other people's lives and it's just like this constant feeling that I have been carrying around my entire life and I'm sure a lot of you have been carrying around and it's just, it's literally exhausting. <laughs> like I just get tired of feeling those feelings. And so, you know, when we are comparing our marriages with other people, it's so easy because, you know, we, we look at another person or another couple and we're like, okay, like they absolutely seem perfect. Um, they never fight, you know, they, they're always at family get togethers and they're just happy, smiling, you know, loving on each other. And I'm in a marriage where I literally, I'm just finding it hard to survive the day without wanting to cuss out someone else. <laughs> like I want to cuss out my partner, but I can't. And so, um, I'm just saying like, those are like examples of how we compare ourselves with other people, with other relationships, with other churches or ministries or whatever. Like we feel those things. Do you guys relate with me at all? Like, am I out here just paddling a boat that's going downhill by myself? <laughs> um, and so it's all about the heart posture. Um, you know, for the longest time, I could never figure out why I was dealing with these feelings. You know, I felt like I was humble. Um, I knew in my heart that, you know, I wasn't the best, like I was super realistic and I realized that it was my insecurities that were causing the issue. Like somewhere inside of me, I had insecurities and insecurity isn't based on ego. It's based on identity. And like, I knew my ego was in check. I felt humble. I knew I wasn't the best. Um, I wasn't prideful, but where I was struggling was that I wasn't placing my identity in secure things. I was placing who I was 
in my high school boyfriends, in my friends, in my husband. You know, I place my identity as a worship leader or as this title. And so when we think about the insecurity that we feel, we have to learn to not secure our identity into something that's insecure, into something that will walk away, into something that will be gone in a moment's notice. We can't place our identity in money. We can't place it in the approval of people. Like there were so many times, um, you know, as leading worship that I would look out into a congregation and people would just be like blank faced. And I would be like, I'm not doing good. Like I'm not good at what I'm doing because these people aren't responding and their faces look like they're like just not even in this moment with me. And so I began to place my identity and if I was doing a good job or if the if the spirit was moving on the approval of what people thought or how they were reacting, when in reality I can't place that on those people. You can't place your identity on the approval of people. You can't place it on the opportunities. Like if I don't get this opportunity, I'm not good enough. If I don't get this title, I won't be happy. We can't place our identity into something that's insecure. And so um, when I realized this, it really brought a new revelation to a verse that I had heard over and over. And it's one that I've taught um, to my Faith Factory kids multiple times. We've talked about this story over and over. Um, But God revealed it to me just this week in a completely fresh and new way. And it's actually a verse based on one of my favorite songs right now. Um, If if you guys have heard the Cody Karn song, Christ is my firm foundation, the words are literally out of this verse. And the words of the song are, Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I'll never be more glad that I put my faith in Jesus. He'll never let me down. He's faithful in every season. So why would he fail now? And and it just ends, he won't. Like God won't fail you. And so Matthew 7 talks about this. When we build on a firm foundation of Christ, when we secure who we are in Christ, when we place our identity in Christ, we can withstand whatever comes our way. We won't be like everyone else, being tossed from place to place, being on an emotional roller coaster. We won't be on that because no, we have secured our identity to a secure thing, and that is Christ Jesus. So when a friend's success comes and we aren't seeing success or we're in the middle of seeing our success or walking out our path and they've already hit their end, we can seriously stand next to them and say, go sister, like I am cheering you on, you're doing great. We can say those things because we have placed our identity in Christ Jesus and not in a title not in a feeling, not in, in all of the things that, you know, the world wants us to place our identity in. You know, when someone comes in with a crazy talent, 
we can come alongside them and, and bless them and, and encourage them to use their gifts and not feel like our gifts are being diminished or disqualified or that they can't be used because someone else may have the same gift, but it's a different talent, a different avenue. We don't feel like we have to compare. We don't feel like we have to compete. Their talent and their success doesn't mean that we are talentless or unsuccessful. And that all comes from a change of perspective, a change of your mindset. You know, the Bible also talks about renewing your mind daily. Like it is a daily thing that you have to do. You have to renew your mind daily for you to really feel and be able to walk out what God wants you to walk out. When we place our identity into secure things like Jesus, who will never leave us or forsake us, we won't feel the need to compare. I was placing all of those, um, those relationships or who I was on someone else, on something else, on other people's approval. And when I came to realize it, like when that stuff left, I was just like destroyed because who I was, was placed in insecure things. We have to place who we are, our identity. It has to be built on the rock of Jesus Christ. That way, when other things come at us, I won't be shaken, right? My faith is in Jesus. Who I am is in Jesus. No matter what anybody else does, I know who I am, and that's in Christ Jesus. Okay, so we're going to actually talk about a story in the Bible where comparison um, is evident. And there are actually a lot of stories in the Bible where comparison is um, is just like the opening door to all of the feelings of jealousy, envy, and greed. Um, So there are multiple different stories in the Bible that actually talk about comparison and jealousy and all of those things. But we're going to talk about Leah and Rachel. And this example is found in Genesis. And so this story (laughs) is literally whack. Like we have Leah, who is fertile Myrtle, who I like to say she's popping babies out left and right. Um... The Bible says she has weak eyes, so basically that means like she's plain, like to the appearance, like she's just a plain Jane, pretty plain looking person. Um, And then there's her sister, Rachel, who is the beautiful younger sister, gets all the attention, um, but she could not have babies at this time. And so um, Jacob actually loved Rachel, and so he works for seven years um, to receive Rachel as his bride. Now, when the seven years is up, um, Leah and Rachel's dad, um, gift him Leah, because if you look back in the scripture, Jacob just, he never like clarifies, like, I want Rachel at the end of seven years. He just says like, um, I want to work seven years to get your daughter. And I'm like, okay, he really should have been more specific. So, um, side note, when you're praying, be specific. (laughs) So, um, the dad brings Leah. And so he gets Leah as his wife instead of Rachel. And so then he works seven more years to get Rachel as his wife. So 
14 years, the man has both sisters as his wife, which is weird. (laughs) And so Leah becomes bitter because her husband is crazy about her sister. It's so messed up. And so if anybody says the Bible does not have like crazy, interesting stories, like this story is, it's messed up. And so, um, she pops out babies, Leah pops out babies and names them. And then she says things like this, maybe now I'll get my husband's love. And so she's having these babies hoping that Jacob will love her, but that doesn't work. You guys having kids in hopes that your boyfriend or your husband will love you. It does not work. Okay. And so these two sisters are creating this like sibling rivalry, um, with, what they're lacking, right? And so Leah is lacking the looks. She's lacking the love that Jacob has for Rachel. Rachel is lacking the ability to have children. And so Leah is just popping out babies um, with the man that she loves. And so they're both lacking in areas and they start to have these, um, you know, these feelings where they start to define their identity based on the things that they're lacking and they start to resent each other. Um, and so they're identifying with these insecure things. Rachel's identifying who she is on an insecure thing, not being able to have kids, right? Leah is basing herself on an insecure thing based on Jacob's love. Like both of those things are not secure things. And so we learn as the story progresses that Leah has this attitude change, right? So she's popped out like her fifth or sixth. I don't know. The woman has just been popping babies out in this whole chapter. (laughs) And so at one point though, she says she has a baby and she names it and she names it Judah. And it's, and she says this time I will praise the Lord. So she had a moment. She had a perspective change. She had an attitude changed. She realized that like, listen, I can't secure who I am in my children. I can't secure who I am in my husband. I can't secure who I am in my, and who my husband loves, which is my sister. Like my joy has to come from the Lord. That is who we place our security in. That is who we place our identity in. Who I am can only be secure in God. So she received her joy back. She had that moment where something inside of her shifted. And instead of being bitter bitter and resentful and um, envious of her sister, she just changed her mind and said, listen, this child I named Judah, I will praise the Lord. You know, we we hear that quote all the time. Comparison is the thief of joy. And this is no... This is the perfect quote for this story in the Bible. Like comparison stole her joy, but she got her joy back once she realized like, hey, I have to secure my identity in Christ Jesus. That is the only secure thing that we have. Now, that is a pretty like soap opery story. Like it should be on, you know, the daytime channels. (laughs) Actually, it probably has been at some point. Um, but it just shows us how comparison can, can start to cause these bigger forms of sin and allow them to take root in our hearts and our minds. 
Like comparison isn't always a bad thing. And we're going to talk about that next week. Um, Because we aren't finished talking about comparison. It is something that I literally want to tackle. I want us to have that moment that Leah had, that change in our thought, that mindset shift, that part where we say, oh my goodness, like I will praise the Lord. He is who holds my identity, not in things of this world. And um, so we're going to talk about this next week because no matter how Christian, and I quote Christian, y'all think you are, um, this is something, comparison is something that can really hinder um, the plan that God has for you. Satan wants defeated Christians and you, my friend, are not defeated. Um, So let's pray. God, I thank you for this time where we have just kind of dived into this topic of comparison. Um, You know that it takes root in our hearts, God. You know that we deal with it. Some of us deal with it on an everyday, like we deal with it literally every day. Some of us maybe don't deal with it as heavy, but there are, there are sins in our hearts that deal with jealousy, or maybe we're, we're not content with what we have. And so we have that contentment Um, thing that we're dealing with. And so um, it may not be the actual word comparison, but there is jealousy, there is greed, there is envy that is living in some of our hearts. And so God, we want to just pull that out, that root that has taken hold in our hearts, our mind. We want to pull it out, God, and we want you to reveal truth to us. Remind us, God, that we have to place who we are in you, that we cannot compare with what other people have. God, that what they lack doesn't mean that we can't be used. What we lack doesn't hinder us. God, what other people have, it doesn't tell us that we aren't good. Um, Remind us that you created each one of us perfectly and that we have the things that we need in our possession and that we just, all you ask us to do is use them, God. And so help us see that. Change our hearts, change our minds, change our perspective, I pray. And we never will fail to give you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.